Hey everybody, it's Greg Abola, founder on Tap, and listen to Verbal Shenanigans. But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. Hello, everybody. Welcome on back to the Verbal Shenanigans podcast. Happy to be back with you guys after after what's been a couple weeks. And I, I would like to apologize and take the time to um, tell you that I'm sorry and that it will never happen again. And um, I'm working on myself. I'm um, I'm really trying to make this right. And, um, um, you know, I'll be better. I'll be better, and uh, I really feel as if um, I know you feel like I'm, I might be slightly abusive. I tell you we're coming back, and we're not coming back, and then we're coming back, and we're not coming back. But you know, life gets in the way, and I would like to officially apologize. Um, I'm sorry, Mike. I, I, it's all my fault. Uh, my name is Michael Burlew, and. I'm one of the abusive uh, boyfriends that says, no, I'm not the problem. It's still you. Um, uh-huh. I just want to say, audience, uh, I feel that I need to keep this control, and uh-huh. I need you to fear me at all times, so I'm going to keep you on the edge. I'm going to blame you for things that are totally not your fault just to make sure I have control of this situation. So uh, yep. just keep that in mind for the next 90 minutes and the rest of your life. So in your eyes, what you're trying to do is like, okay, get them hooked and then maybe like lengthen the time a little bit. So they're, they're mm-hmm. clamoring for it after like a week or two or, or, or three weeks or whatever it's been and then get them hooked and then take a little time off and get them like, just keep the control. Yeah. So when they ask like, where you been, it's like none of your business and you slap them. Because, right. uh, that's the best slap. way to, uh, make them appreciate you and the quality of work that you do by making sure they never ask you anything and just accept when I show up, you better be there with a cold beer. I, I feel like in your eyes, the, like your dream scenario is like you're podcasting with me right now. You're in mm-hmm. Georgia. You're like in a throne kind of, and like the listeners are, okay. which is why you grew your hair pretty long. The listeners are just mm-hmm. kind of like braiding your hair and maybe conditioning it a little scalp rub. I'd like that. I'd there's like, like that. two. There's like two or three with like the grape leaves. Just kind of, mm-hmm. is that what they are? Grape leaves? No. Grape leaves? No. Uh, uh, palm leaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Palm leaves. Some, some those, those big leaves that emperors got fanned with, like yeah. kind of fanning you, and then like one steps out of line, and you go, ah, 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 and you you do a couple stab skis and a couple points, mm-hmm. and they just come right back to like rubbing your calves. Well, once in a while, I'll be like, it's okay, it's okay, and they'll go. They'll exhale and they feel better, and then I'll make a motion, and then a hole will open up under them, and they will be fed to the lions, like a little job of the hut situation. Yeah, I mean, what else would you want me to do to ensure our audience stays with us? Give them quality entertainment. That's I mean, on the cards. I mean, I kind of like the image of you like controlling our like you know very small audience so they're they're so small that like the five people that listen to the podcast are just like at your beckoning 
Dom Bagnano, I just want to remind you, I know where you live. So don't don't question me. Okay. You you have let this man in your house before, which uh-huh. is like he he was paying attention to your wife's music, but secretly he was taking in like mm-hmm. what's the address, what are the entry points, what windows look bad. I'm like, uh, oh, he doesn't lock the back door. Intriguing. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Like I could definitely break that window with, you know, just a little ball peen hammer. It's, hmm. it's not a problem. So, yeah. If I do this at three AM, they wouldn't have time to grab anything or contact anyone. Intriguing. <laughs> oh, the neighbors keep their lights off. They don't have a ring camera. Um, you know, that hmm. kind of stuff. Like little attention to detail. Um, but in all seriousness, sorry guys. Uh, you know, life's been a little weird, a little crazy with the work schedule, sick children, all that stuff, but we are back. I'm not going to apologize that much. I'm really not. I'm really not. You're getting this for free. If you were a Patreon subscriber, which you could do through the Podbean, you know, you can contribute a couple bucks here and there, you know. We could also give them the link once in a while because I think this is the first time we brought this up and probably. No, no, no. We don't episodes. actually. We don't. We don't have a Patreon. I think there's a little thing on Podbean though that says you can. Um, you can donate to to us if you if you want. Just a tiny thing, uh, Dom. There. Dom Harry, I'm looking at Dom Harry Groovy Joan. Come on, couple 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 shekels our way, you know. We're yeah. uh, we're we're poor here. A Bangladesh Billy, uh, if you can <laughs> uh, help us out, you know, that'd be great. That'd be great. Did you? I know you, um, Bangladesh Bangladesh Billy. Interestingly enough, I cut off the relationship with him because he was too Aww. needy. But then, Mike, he actually. Uh, he posed as someone else um, on oh. our, our Facebook Messenger, um, and he was messaging us like, "Sir, it's me, Bangladesh Billy." Blah blah blah. And I think even you interacted with him. And you're like, "Oh yeah, we'll we'll thank you for your consideration. We'll 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 talk to you." That was Bangladesh Billy, and he put a picture of like a big white guy up there. Well, I I saw the uh conversation right i didn't make the comment i don't know if that's like a facebook automatic answer but that wasn't (laughs) me that wasn't you no so someone has hacked into our account to respond to Bangladesh. it's probably bangladesh billy himself because he's kind of a bot (laughs) from the middle east um yeah he just has conversations with himself and all to feel good Ironically, the guy was literally from Bangladesh, and then he put a picture on his Facebook profile, whatever organization he works for, as just some like generic, like white dude. Like, it, yeah, it wasn't good marketing. Like, if he was trying to reach me back and be like, "Hey, I'm um," I forget his actual name at this point. Um, but you know, I am maybe, yeah, I maybe, but uh, yeah, he never. He, we're not, we're not going back to him. He was a little needy. Oh. He would tell me he like. He had to feed his family and stuff, and he was relying on my podcast. I'm like, bro, we pay you five dollars a week. You should have sent him to King Burlu. I I would take care of him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. you you would like some more? Why don't you uh, talk to the king over there on his throne <laughs> with the palm leaf getting waved at him, <laughs> and stand right on that circle right there? And all it doesn't mean anything, but just stand where that red X is and uh, plead your case. <laughs> Yeah, um, but anyway, guys, we're we're back. What are you gonna What are you gonna do? What are you gonna hold us accountable? You're gonna send us emails. You're gonna you're gonna complain to our HR department. It is what it is. It is what it is. Mm. No, but we do appreciate you listening. Just kidding. We're actually happy to be back. Me and Mike haven't talked in a couple weeks now, other than via text. Um, Mike, me and my uh, me and my buddy, we were having a conversation in person. You know, 
you remember in person, right? It was like back in the day in person, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> you know, when we used to like get together and look at each other across the room. You would, I remember you, you would lay on the couch with a toilet paper holder holding the microphone just at your mouth level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are coming up on ten years of the podcast, getting very close. Um so we were talking in person and we just started talking about like things that were were not good at or things that you you do that are suspect and the whole text thread started to be like okay here's like three guys we're just going to talk about things we are <laughs> not very good at in the average life um so i want to share one with you or a couple okay. with you and i also mentioned it to you before um um, sorry, I just got a weird text message. <laughs> but, uh, BB, th- yeah, yeah, it's BB. Uh, things that you might not be good at. So I started off uh super simple. Okay, um, I said, okay, I can't tie my shoes that well. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Um, I find often that my shoes are untied, and um. It always seems to be my right shoe. I don't really know what that is, but I'll be out at the gym or I'll be walking or I'll have a dress shoe on. And I find that my whatever the way I'm tying is the shoe becomes like all of a sudden the laces are just flopping around. Like, I don't know if it's because maybe my foot's too big for the shoe. Maybe my technique is not good. Maybe the laces are a little slippery, but it ha- it can't be coincidence because this has been a challenge my whole life where my laces become untied. Hmm. Do you feel that you just don't know how to tie them or you just got the incorrect stuff? Have you ever thought of Velcro? I haven't, gone, I haven't gone to Velcro yet, the Velcro thought as of yet, but I have thought about um, that maybe I my technique is off somehow. And there's been times where I'm tying my shoe in the morning and I'm like, come on, big guy, you got this. You, you, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. And like, I really focus on the rabbit comes out of the hole, goes around the tree, goes back in the hole and really like, no, snug it up and secure it. And then like a couple hours later, uh, shoes untied again. Poor Shay. He has no hope. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, do you feel like you mastered that skill? Um, mine are usually <laughs> it. it, it mine are usually seems, Velcro. So, no. <laughs> uh, it it really depends on like my older shoes. The laces are super long, so I gotta in order to keep them the way it is, I have to like shove them into the shoe in order to keep the knot in place. Now I bought a couple new shoes and the laces are kind of short where it's like barely like you could barely get a good tie on. So I'm a little I've only worn a few times a little concerned about okay, is this gonna hold up or anything like that? I will say my wife is gets uber mega anxious if she ever sees like a lace loose or anything like that. She immediately goes to the oh, my God, somebody's going to break their neck kind of mode when she sees a lace loose. So she, she'd probably have a heart attack <laughs> if she ever looked at your feet. <laughs> I um, Then I responded, I can't eat sunflower seeds that well. Um, 
You may, there's a point in every kid's life where they discover sunflower seeds and they're like, oh, these are cool. I don't know. Somewhere around like middle school, high school. But I could never do the like chew the shell and spit out the seed and then like have like a, just a cup of seeds. I used to just take the whole seed and just grind it in my mouth like like a cement mixer and then just spit out like all the shrapnel together into a cup. Um, <laughs> I just swallow them whole. I, I just, I just no chew way. it down and it goes down the gullet. I don't even blink an eye. So you I, just, you eat the whole seed the whole time? All the time, yeah. yeah. If I got sunflower seeds, you crunch, 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 down it goes, and it'll come out eventually. So after you have sunflower seeds, you just have like a ridiculously seedy, heavy poop. I mean, I never checked for the seeds in there, oh, but I'm sure that's what have it to is. Check. Stop like, being, stop being so keen here. I mean, you know if there's seed shrapnel in your poops. I mean, I never checked, but it'd be kind of awesome if, like, when I die and you come to like my grave, like two years later, and there's just bunches of sunflower seeds bursting out of the grass because they <laughs> never left my body uh, uh, yeah I'm, I'm like uh mike really loves sunflowers i never knew he never mentioned it in the last 10 years furlough has got a maze to his grave this is crazy it would also be weird in a dark macabre way if you went to the doctor for like stomach issues and they're like let me let's really get in there and look and they like do the whole it looks like a garden in there <laughs> <laughs> They look like they go scope your whole intestine. Like, sir, we've never really seen this before, but you literally have plants growing in your intestines. Uh, can you explain? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I watch baseball games. I'm like, I can't figure this out. I just let it be, doctor. That's the way it is. No, now you know that you were supposed to like chew this, eat the seed in the middle and spit the seed out. I, I'm quite aware okay. of the situation. I, did, I, I didn't I was... know if this was like an enlightening <laughs> moment for you. Like, Oh crap! Yeah. Like that's what what they were for. Yeah, I was going through life, mate. Man, sunflower seeds <laughs> suck, man, and all. It's just uber crunchy, and they hurt my intestines. Dang. <laughs> um, the next one, my buddy said that he um he can't do cartwheels that well, and I didn't hold that against mm. him because I can't really do them too well. I remember as a kid, like he would try cartwheels and stuff. But have you tried a cartwheel in the last twenty years? Unless I did it drunk, no. Yeah, yeah. No, I, no. Have you ever been good at cartwheels? Berlu, something tells me you were not good at cartwheels. Uh, I don't know how you figured that out, Inspector Brennan, but yep. uh, that is correct. My uh, cartwheel coordination, no. When you have people to do that perfect, like, hand-to-hand, a foot-to-foot on the one that's, like, bent, kind of like the Leaning Tower of Pisa, where it's like, yeah, that counts. When I was younger, my mom put me in a gymnastics class, and I was I was always the tallest person in the gymnastics class. No, I was I was just tall growing up. I was always in my kindergarten picture. I was always like the big mongoloid in the back, and every picture. I never had a short period. Like some dudes grow, and then in middle school, all the girls catch up. I was always tall my whole life, and my mom put me in a gymnastics class, and. I remember like certain things, you know, the parallel bars, like we were supposed oh, yeah. to like swing by them. I remember they put me on them and my feet were just touching the ground. And I was like so miserable. They're like, no, put your feet up. And I was like, no, I, like I can't, like they're just touching the ground. 
then I remember like they're like, we're gonna teach you cartwheels. They'll put out these little like rubber hands and feet, like hand, hand, foot, foot. This is where it's supposed to land. And my brain just could not comprehend. And I would just do like hand, hand, and then like some weird like hip flip of of my feet and never ever get completely over on, on the cartwheel. So cartwheel was not my thing either. Mm. Yeah, and something told me that you didn't like grow up with Simone Piles uh, when you were talking about that no. class right there. I I, I kind of wish you thought that's how gymnastics were. Where it's like, oh, I get to touch the ground. This is so <laughs> easy. And like you tried to uh, compete yeah. with like the U.S. Olympic Championships. Yeah, watch this trick where I <laughs> jump onto the top of the bar. Um. Um. Uh, yeah, your routine on the floor where you said you did twelve cartwheels. Um. Have, have you seen a cartwheel before? <laughs> now, here's one I think you could relate to. Um, I think most guys can. My buddy responded, I can't fold my wife's small clothes. And then I responded, I can't fold a long sleeve shirt very well. Like, I don't know what to do mm-hmm. with the extra arms. Where, like, the length of the, like, a T-shirt? I think I'm okay at this point folding a T-shirt. But folding anything that's not a T-shirt, I, I I can't, my brain can't comprehend what to do with it. I just kind of like tuck it in or roll it around. And usually my wife ends up refolding the laundry sometimes. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure she's pleased when she's, yeah, she, she like comes me. in. She, she loves me very, very just much, Mike. And she doesn't, she doesn't say anything about my folding skills and just says, great job, honey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Drink another beer. You deserve yeah. it. Have another beer. You really tried today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, your your folding skills, where are you at? I think I'm pretty decent on my uh, folding skills. Okay. I, I mean, I'm not great. I can't do like a fitted sheet or anything like that. But well, that's, uh, that's for crazy people who can. Yeah. That's like yeah. next level. That's, like I've seen videos where yeah. like they're putting it inside of the sheet and spinning up it's like no no you j- it goes into a ball and then it goes into the closet and it's not seen unless the dogs puke on the bed and which yeah, it's usually like out. put between the folded the other folded sheets that look okay yeah yeah exactly exactly um yeah i think i'm i'm a pretty decent folder uh wow. for long sleeves i kind of do the double where you go halfway in and then tuck it out and then put it back in again and then fold it up Wow, where so, did your folding skills come from? Because I am a young um, Padawan. I'm a young Padawan in this journey that has always gone from I'll fold and put them in my drawer, and they're like not folded great, so they start to slowly just deteriorate where my drawer becomes disgusting. And then, like once every month or so, I got to be like, I got to reorganize my clothes. They're, they're horrendous. Yeah, uh, I don't know where I got. I mean, I don't have any memories of like Mother Burloob. Bringing I'm just me a in. natural. I'm just a natural. Yeah, um, I'm like Barry Larkin. They said he was great at every position. You know. You know what it is like the X Men. They have certain superhuman powers. Mine is adequate folding. That's the way I was born. That's my mutant power. You know? Can you provide our audience with a folding tutorial? Maybe like a. Well, I mean, I like that's. For long sleeve, that's what I basically do. I kind of go. No, I mean a video that we could like post on our gram to, to show the audience. Like, uh, we can look at that. Shirt. Yeah, we can okay. look at that. Okay, All right. okay. Right. Um, then the next thing I said was, um, let's see. 
uh, oh, I can't tear uh, perforations off a paycheck that well. Mm. So now, thank God, direct deposit came around. But before the days of direct deposit, get my paycheck, get ready to go to the bank, and then I'd have to be like, okay, <laughs> I got to get this little check off of the per, you know, the perforations or however oh, you yeah. say that word. And I would always go, <laughs> and then I would tear. And then some of the check would be ripped and I would start getting worried. Like, okay, they're not going to take my check because mm-hmm. it's so torn up. Yeah. That <laughs> like that can be an issue and all like, especially it seems like some of them had like all four corners and some of them had only three, mm-hmm. and, but I was always used to four. So sometimes you like, all right, now I do the top one. And it's like, Oh, that's not a natural sound for that. Um, right. So, yeah, I can totally get what you're going with there. Okay. All right. Mike, do you have one for our audience, maybe? Something you can't do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't open the, like, packets of food with the, the reseal inside. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, like, yes. uh, shredded yep. cheese. <laughs> I'm always like, I'll either under-rip it or I'll over-rip oh, it yeah. when... Well, take it away. Uh, my favorite is when, like, uh, you might get a good one, and then you try to open it up, and then you just rip the one side to the other side so they stay connected, and you're like, why does it go back? Dude, I just had this situation today. My son got, like, these cheese sticks, and it's like, resealable package, and I tear where the little line is, and I rip it off, and then I spend, like, six seven minutes trying to actually open the the plastic sealy thing after the rip that i thought would get me to the to, to the luscious cheese mm-hmm. and then i get him a cheese stick and i'm like all right let's seal it up and i cannot line up the little plastic strips i i, I sometimes i think there's something wrong in me no i mean join the club yep. that's all i can tell you um and it's one of those things like you do anything wrong in life, there's some kind of video. Oh, here's a natural way. Result is you do that, it's over. You just gotta like, yeah. You if just you... roll it up, and then you just gotta put it down in the fridge <laughs> on the folded side, and just pray it doesn't uncurl where you have like yeah. hard ch- freaking cheese in there. I, I I feel like if you, the day you Google how to close cheese sticks back up is the day like. <laughs> You know, Dyfus comes after you, or is like, you know, you're not fit to be a father. Like, yeah, yeah, like there's something going. On. All right, hit me with another one. Uh, hanging stuff on the wall. I am atrocious. I, I don't know if it's like, um, like my mother was like, Uber things have to be even, correct, right. whatever. And you know, Big Wild Hank, he, uh, he grew up, yeah, he knows. He knows any kind of handyman stuff. He can hang stuff perfectly even and all that. I just, I never am good like finding like the proper place to do it. Or am yep. I supposed to put a, 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 like the plastic thing inside so it stays in harder. Oh, and then, yeah. and then it's like, I'm, I've tried to figure out, it's like, all right, I put up, um, so like, like the plastic kind of- anchor, the anchor screws, you have no idea how to use those. Well, I know how to use, but I never. I'm like, oh, this should be good. And then, like a week later, I'm. I, I kind of see a picture <laughs> yeah. on the floor, and I'm yep. like, oh, well, should have used one. <laughs> like, I, I got a 
thing hanging in the bedroom, uh, like a picture or whatever. And like when we first moved in, I said, all right, I'm going to do this. And like I put the one screw in and like I measured it out. I'm like, all right, I know exactly. Okay, I got to go 12 feet and exactly these inches from there. And I kid you not, I was off like half a foot bad. (laughs) Like my parents came in. I'm like, I know. And my mother just looked at me. Yes, it's crooked. And like. Like just like the the letter of shame she gave me for that, and like my so, dad had to like get like a a like a wire just to lower it so it would be even. So give me like a little insight. If you got if you got a picture of something to hang, what would be your approach? I mean, I, I just really. Do you just eyeball it and you go, okay, that's where it's going to go? Like, Izzy does that and she doesn't blink an eye. I mean, mean, maybe it's just like, like I said, just the pressure of growing up with a handyman and not being a handy person. You're just always like the panicky, I don't want to screw this up. But sure. Like, like, a lot of times, (laughs) my answer is just, (laughs) yeah, I'll get to it. And then the wife gets ticked off and she does it on her own. Yeah, and then you're sleeping in bed, and in your your landscape porch, it just falls on you on you guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I get it, man. I get it. I, I've been there. I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent great at that, but I have gotten better. I will. Mm-hmm. I will say that. Um, my one buddy said I forgot I'm boiling something on the stove far too often. So he'll like, which my wife does this sometimes. She'll. She'll put the uh, the water on for my son's pasta or something like that, and then like go back to work, and I'll be like, "You gonna put the pasta in the bowl or what?" And it'd be like forty five minutes where it it's evaporated so much. There's there's a, there's a half inch of water in the bowl. I'm like, "Well, we gotta fill it back up again." Or you put the stuff the like the pasta in there, and you forget about it, and then like that foam just comes yeah. over, and it just stains the stove for. 12 months uh oh yeah yeah i I feel that one yeah um the next one um someone said to me is um uh um this one was me this one was me i have a tendency to go check the mailbox (laughs) and if it's not important mail i will leave it in the mailbox Mm -hmm. i'll be like oh uh you know, advertisement from the hardware store down the street, some election shit going on down the road, uh, you know, some advertisement and a Chinese food menu. I'll be like, well, you know what? You get to go back in the box tomorrow as if you're going to it's going to change and turn into mm-hmm. something important. I was always terrible with the mail uh, where it stems from is basically uh, my mom wouldn't get the mail. Right. And. She had, I I still say she has some kind of phobia because it'd be like, I'd be in the middle of something. She's like, go, Mike, go get the mail. And mm-hmm. I'm like, mom, I'm busy, you know, but, but I really want the mail. Right. I'm like, mom, you can go get it. And she's like, I can't, I don't have makeup on. And, wow. and she would be like dead serious about once if like, we lived off of like a, like a major road where you had to go 45 miles an hour. So you can only imagine how butt ugly you have to be without makeup on for somebody to be going <laughs> 45, slam on the brakes, appointed somebody going to the mailbox. But that was my mom. It'd be and, it'd be funny if it developed a syndrome and you were like, you 
just like put makeup on yourself <laughs> every time you go get the mail and your wife's like you just see me with like streaks all through yeah. my face and go, what's wrong with you mail time yeah and uh or you, like, or you get in like your finest suit every time you go out the door <laughs> to get the mail. She's like, Mike, you haven't worn that since we met, but yet you put it on every time you get the mail. It's Gotta like I go up. halfway there. I'm like, oh, my loafers. The, these are the wrong loafers. This will never do. <laughs> this doesn't match. <sighs> yep. Um. But uh, yeah, I, and that drove me so crazy. Like when I lived on my own, I totally like had things where like I wouldn't get the mail and like 99.9% of what was in the mail was junk anyway. So there were times like when I lived in uh, the apartment, like I would come to my finally go, I'm going to get the mail and it would just be a letter. It's like, we collected all your mail, come to the post office to get it. And then I'd be like, Oh yeah, I was uh, in Bulgaria <laughs> for a month. Sorry about that. You know, you could go on the website. Ah, oh, you keep telling me that I, I one of these days, you know. One of these. <laughs> um, the next guy said, "Sometimes I uh, I poop five times in the day, and I just feel like I permanently smell bad." So he just poops all day long and just thinks he smells bad all day long. I have no idea what it's like to smell bad. That's all. Yeah, I have yeah, to say. that's true. That, you know, we didn't even get into that. Has there been any follow up on that? Nothing has been said. Nothing's been done. Nothing. Just go to the like, gym. Oh, Mike, you smell so good today. You're, <laughs> you're amazing. They have like a bouncer at the door. It's like, hold it. Yeah. All right, you can go yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> hey, smelly Mike coming in. Smelly Mike coming in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Danger. Danger. Uh, All right, Mike, give me one of yours. Um, Shaving. I am bad at shaving. One, I usually let it go for far too long. Mm-hmm. Like at times I figure like when I got a little bit of a growth and it's a little dirty, it kind of looks nice, but it's one of those I go three weeks well past when it should be it. And then on top of it, when I do shave, I miss spots mm-hmm. nine times out of ten. Like it's all like when I used to work in Jersey, like one of my friends, she she's just like Berlu, come here, and on she'd be like here, here, <laughs> here. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah the reason um, going there. I would agree with you because that was kind of one of the reasons. Like I never liked shaving. Like I hated it, and I would always find like random neck hairs and like random cheek hair, like where you could see it in the sun. Like there's little translucent hairs you get, mm-hmm. you know. So, like, I think that's part of the reason I, like, grew a beard. And even, like, after that, I still, like, look sometimes. I'm like, dude, you have, like, one side of your beard that's, like, <laughs> saying hello. And the other side is, like, perfectly trim. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 I, 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 I think we're on the same page with that one. Yeah. And I've had electric razors and I've screwed up. I've had manual razors and they, like, clog up where I have to use, like, three razors to go get one shaving in and I'm still like checking. So I don't think I ever got that. All right. I'll give you one. I am horrendous at wrapping presents. Really? Yeah. Um, If it's like a box, like item, like maybe like a shirt box, you know, like when you give a shirt, I'm good. Anything outside of that, I am like holding the paper up and cutting in a weird angle. I have no clue how to fold it and keep it taut. Um, Mm. There's gifts. I give my wife. She's like, you serious? Like, 
you know, like where the tape is like coming off and you could kind of see through it sometimes. Horrendous, <laughs> horrendous at wrapping presents. I can get it done. I mean, it's nothing like like store. I'm going to pay for this to get wrapped yep. kind of level. But yep. yeah, I can, I can get it to work. And <laughs> like I'll admit sometimes I'm lazy where it's like I see like one end and it's like five feet long and i'm like i'll just tape it on the other side i don't care i'm not cutting it off and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but, but it, i will say i would say all these people like it's been a big trend where like people don't want to wrap because it's green you ever get a present that's not wrapped it's not the same it's not no. the same i it comes think in a all, bag and all, all you do is the unwrapping man yeah you get a bag and they just have like the little paper on top that's mm-hmm. not fun like you you want to well, I feel like you destroyed something. You destroyed, you ravaged the skin of this gift, and now you get the inner dwellings of it. Um, my buddy just—he also said he enjoys shower wine over a shower beer. You ever have a I, shower beer before, Mike? I've had neither. I don't get it. I, I'm not I, a big shower beer guy either. I love beer. Don't get me wrong. I love beer. Mm. I'm not a big shower beer guy i've had it a couple times um it's been okay but shower wine seems like a whole other world to me like i hear people that have like special wine holders in their showers really oh yeah i'm not that's in like the shower a, wine world holy crap apparently that's like a thing like we when we got married uh my wife's maid of honor like came down and she's she literally talked about like, oh, I got a like a whole holder, and she was asking <laughs> like what our shower was like, and it, it's like you you go in and bathe. I don't understand this wanting to get drunk in there. I don't. I mean, especially add to it and all. You got all the you're cleaning all your hairs in there and right, fluids right. and soaps. It's I don't see a situation where it's enjoyable. A lot of fluids drunk. in Mike's shower. A lot of fluids, every kind. anything you can imagine (laughs) it's in there but not wine i the only time i remember enjoying a shower beer is like there was this day i was doing extremely like a ton of like yard work and it was like 90 degrees outside and i came in sweating like hell and i had a beer and i was like i got a shower and i was just like you know what this is coming with me it wasn't like a shower beer celebration it was more like Mm -hmm. i'm bringing the rest of this beer with me i gotta get in the shower yeah, plus I also I shower in the mornings, so that might not be a time to get crunked up, to be honest. <laughs> it should be. It should be. I mean, you might also want to shower in the afternoon, considering your gym doesn't want you to be, be part of it. I mean, we, we, let's not go that far. <laughs> I mean, that'd be great if that's the compromise. Like, I'm, you smell great, but you're plastered and all. <laughs> you threw up on the trainer of Orange Theory. Berlo, you took shower beer a little too far. You had 12. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to stink, Coach. <laughs> Let's run on the treadmill. <laughs> Let's do cartwheels. All right, give me one more. We'll do a couple more after we get after our guest, but then we'll get our guest. Um, keeping track of my computer mouse, specifically my wireless mouse, I have probably lost a good twelve wireless mouses, and I had twelve dongles in my household, <laughs> thinking that one day. I will reunite with these lost mice. You have a pack of mice that are just missing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it just, it's like you go to work and 
and then blah, 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 blah. You come home. Oh, it's not there. What you, I, I go through my tracks. It's like, I can't find it. Buy a new one. Keep this, the old dongle because it's like, oh, I'm sure I'm going to pop in one day and I'm going to find it. And I'll, nope. Then, like, and, and I get so angry. I have like one wired mouse and I'm like, I, like if I ever have to use it, I just I'm like cursing and I'm like you're just looking what? at all your dongles. You're like, come home, boys, come on, yeah, come home to daddy. <laughs> Isn't this a beacon? Aren't you supposed to come home to me? Uh, well, anyway, it it is t- it is guest time. It's guest time. Let's stop talking about nonsense. We'll talk about nonsense after the guest. But uh, Mike, who we got tonight? Tonight, we are talking with Greg Avola. Greg works in software development and has worked for such companies as Disney and currently Spotify. And what we are going to concentrate on is Greg co-founded and helped create Untapped, the social media app to share your check-ins of beers, ciders, and meads. We probably brought it up on the show a thousand times. There's over a billion check-ins. Three quarters of them are you, Scott. But uh, let's talk with uh, Greg about creating an app that we get to get drunk on while we're in the shower all the time. <laughs> yeah. Shower wine, baby. Shower beer. Let's get to Greg. Hello. Hey, hey Greg. Greg. How are you? Doing well. I'm Mike. This is Scott. Welcome to Verbal Shenanigans. How's it going? Good. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, Greg, uh, you obviously know as... Me and Scott are big beer drinkers. Why we brought you on the show? Uh, <laughs> tell us about your internship at MathWorks, please. <laughs> MathWorks, you pull it way back in the day. There, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, MathWorks was uh, this company that makes um, software for like Auto AutoCAD across the board, uh, and I was an intern there doing. I think it was support, uh, technical support. So I used to set up all the computers and stuff like that for all the new hires. You, you, else. Didn't, ha- you didn't have to actually answer that question. <laughs> I don't know you guys well enough to know if you're fucking in me or not. So, you know, so. <laughs> trying to be professional, but I can't. So. Don't ask me about MathWorks all night. That was hot. <laughs> <laughs> They get they interviewed me for thirty minutes on MathWorks and then said, "Hey, <laughs> hey, do you have anything else in the pipeline coming up?" You know, like, <laughs> Greg, what you're going to learn in this interview is don't listen to Mike. Just tune it. him out, and then when it's my turn for a question, then you really you tune in. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> well, uh, in all seriousness, as as you have created the Untapped app, uh, kind of start off just out of curiosity. Did you have any projects in the pipeline before that you were toying with before finally making this happen? Yeah, Untap was kind of like this happy moment where, you know, my co-founder and I uh, started the company back in 2010 in the summertime where, you know, we had worked on like some side projects together. We built a wine site for as a as a contractor, freelancer, stuff like that. But it wasn't like a, a social site. It was more just a portfolio website for them. So really nothing was in the pipeline. We had toyed around with some ideas for a long time. My co-founder and I actually met on Twitter or X or whatever it's called these days. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, many years ago, we worked on like a, a, tw- a Twitter, you know, 2 plus 2.0 version, I guess you could say, way back in the day. But Untap was really something that we kind of, uh, you know, got connected with because you're really big fans of Foursquare. If you remember, Foursquare was that app that you check into places and you share all your experiences there. And we thought to ourselves, 
well, no one really cares if I go to the supermarket or CVS or wherever to get something. They, but they care if I'm at a bar or a brewery and I'm having something good there. I want to be able to share that context with them. So that's kind of where Untapped all started from. We would work together in other aspects before, but uh, it's kind of all came together with this notion of like mixing the four square check-ins with a very social activity, which is beer, but never has been done in a real-time session before. So that's kind of where it all came together. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of pissed at you, Greg, because <laughs> um, I remember a conversation like me and my buddies at a brewery and being like, you know, there should be some kind of thing where we could rate our beer, you know, <laughs> and be able to kind of catalog it. And we were probably three to four years too. Like, we we totally missed a boat. And then, like, a day later, someone texts us, like, in a group text message. We were all like, this is the best idea ever. And then a day later, someone's like, oh, yeah, it totally exists already. And it's <laughs> thriving. And it, and it is thriving. So thank, <laughs> thank you for stealing my idea four years before I came up with it. It's funny that you mentioned that because yep. when we first launched on tap in the summer of 2010, I remember my email box was flooded with exactly exactly the same thing that you just mentioned. <laughs> People were like, I hate you, but I also love you at the same time uh, yep. for creating this thing. So we knew that it was like something special when when folks came out of the work and told us that they had that site had that idea before when they were like six beers deep on something like that and they just didn't <laughs> do anything about it. But it's somehow my fault for that perspective. But um, it was kind of special to hear those things come through. But it's kind of funny. So what was the, uh, the the genesis moment where you guys were like, okay, the, it, the where it went from idea to, okay, how do we put this in place? Like, give us a little yeah. insight into it. Was it like, did you have to find an app designer? Did you guys figure that out? Like, give us the early days of ONTAP. Yeah. So, you know, the good thing is I'm an engineer, uh, a software engineer, and my co-founder was a designer. So we kind of had right. the quote unquote dream team when it came to developing applications. We could do it ourselves. So we were super passionate about the idea. Remember the prototype that I built? I did it in 24 hours. It was very rudimentary. It was no graphics or anything. It was a simple check-in at a location. There was no rating when Untap first started. So it was a very, oh. very bare, bare uh, bones uh, situation there. So we were really excited about it. We, we worked on it for quite some time. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but when the first five years of Untapped, we actually did it as a part-time gig. We didn't do it as a full-time job. So we were moonlighting as Untapped uh, uh, engineers and our own kind of company from that perspective. But in reality, we were just grinding our way, trying to get stuff together. Sure. So yeah, we were all yeah. the one that did it internally. Uh, we did it uh, all, all ourselves. And then that gives a lot of free time to be able to figure out what the next steps were once we got the first prototype out there. When you first come up with this, I mean, obviously, it's one thing to have a great idea. It's another thing to get it out there and people using it. I'm kind of curious, what were you working harder to try to gain? Like people just checking in? Were you trying to work with breweries to work with you on lists and stuff like that? What was your first focus? The first focus was user adoption. We wanted to get as many users as possible on the platform or whatever we didn't have a, a a business plan or a way to get make money from that perspective, but we knew if we got enough people on the platform, that could help us uh, figure out the next stage of, of the of the app from that perspective. So we're just really focused on grinding it out, getting as many users as possible with it. And you have to remember, back in 2010, there was no like advertising on like Twitter or Facebook; it didn't exist anymore. So all this had to yeah, be done the, the good word days. of mouth. Yeah, yeah we had, no. exactly. <laughs> we had to uh, we had to like partner with you know breweries and you know I remember one time we went to a local I was living in New York City at the time we went to a local bar on like New Year's Eve and I said hey I have all these 
coasters that say untapped on them. Will you put them at your bar for folks to you know check in on? We had a QR code that they would scan it. This is back when QR codes were not even a thing at that, <laughs> at that point. Yeah. Like, what the hell? We'll yeah. try it. So we you scan the QR code and we would launch the app in the browser. People could check in and stuff like that. So we we're just caring about getting user adoption. One of the coolest things we ever did uh, about the platform to gain that adoption is we actually uh, did a project where we found all the breweries on our platform and we found their Twitter handles of all the individual pieces there. So when someone shared, I was drinking this beer on Untapped and shared it to Twitter, we would tag them in the tweet automatically so they would know about us haphazardly. That's kind of how Sam Adams, our first sponsor, came to the table to us because they said they searched the word Sam Adams on Twitter and all the results were untapped check-ins. I'm like, nice. what the hell is this untapped thing? And that's the guy that's kind of in the, in the board. So users were helping us advertise on, on social platforms with this technology and also with the sharing aspect that uh, we brought to the table. So yeah, first question is like, we want to get users off the table. That was the most important part for us. Now, when did you guys feel like you had some some traction? Like, okay, yeah, yeah, we had the idea. You know, it's gaining. You know, has a little bit of heat. Um, we're spending our time on it. Yeah. When did when was that like aha moment? Like, okay, this might be a freaking thing. Like, this might yeah. be a thing. I mean, you you go into to breweries now, and like, it says like on tapped, like Q, you know, scan here for on tapped or a beer menu or this, like it's pretty much become like the standard of like how you check beers and keep a catalog of your beers. But when did you have them, that light bulb moment? Like, okay, we, we got something here. Yeah. I would say there's two hot moments that really stick out in my head. Number one, uh, Mashable. I don't know if they're still around as a publication. They were the kind of key, new app launch platform. If you got an article with them, you instantly get tens of thousands of users off the bat. Even if they weren't even interested in your product, you'd still be able to get them out there. And I remember emailing the uh, the um, the editor of Mashable, it was Christina Warren at the time. And I emailed her. I was like, can you please, here's what I, what I built my co-founder. Can you write about it? We'd love to hear about it. And heard crickets, nothing for there. And then I, and I used to get pings on my cell phone at the time when users signed up and I get to see with who signed up. Now it's impossible to do that because there's so many people signing up at the time. But I remember Christina signed up for an account. So I texted my co-founder, like, look, she signed up for an account. She's going to review the app. I don't know when it's going to go live, but get ready for this situation. We're getting on this page. I'm so excited. So she signed up and then nothing happened for like five days. I'm like, what's going on here? Is it really going to happen? And I remember I was living in New York at the time and I think she's on the West Coast. So I remember getting woken up at two in the morning and they published the blog post at like two in the morning. Our servers were melting. There were people like literally trying to sign up and they couldn't do that because there was so many traffic going on. So I woke up out of bed at a fix a problem. That was kind of a big moment when we went from like maybe like 10 users a day to about a thousand users per day from that perspective. So it was really cool to see that kind of growth from that particular blog. But the second one is a little more closer to heart where I remember going to my favorite bar in New York City at the time called Ronald Hum. Unfortunately, they oh, no yeah, longer yeah. exist. Yeah. Anymore, but oh, they're, um, they're, they're, they're no gone? longer there anymore. Yeah, uh, on 33rd Street. But, I went there a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah, great little bar. I love yep. that place there. And I great beer selection. Bar, yeah, great beer selection, great food. It was a good, mm. good place. Um, and I remember walking to the end of the bar, and I saw two guys on their on their phone, and the yellow globe on tap was reflecting on their faces. <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit, these guys are actually using the things that I built. And I remember going to, over them, and I 
sometimes don't like say anything or all like that, but I, but I was so excited to see them. I had no idea who they were. Uh, they weren't related to me, weren't friends and family. They were using the app to have a great time. I just tapped them on the shoulder. I'm like, how did you guys like the app? I'm like, oh, we love it. It's great. It's fantastic. I'm like, oh, I built it. I'm glad you like it. And they were yeah, just like, like so get, the, get the hell away from me. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah, sure you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they didn't believe it at first. And then I kind of walked them through it and kind of showed them there. But that was a great moment to like actually see your product being used in the, in the wild there. And, and I think that was pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, a moment for me that we had just been pretty special. Now, what I saw in uh, one of your older interviews, you weren't initially into beers for what I yeah. saw. So can you kind of give us like your background of your journey of getting more into craft beers? Yeah, for, for me, honestly, I really wasn't into beer when we first started on tap. I, I, I like the concept of the idea of like checking into a place and saying what beer you have. But I also wanted to use untapped for an opportunity to learn more about the beer so I could find out what beer I like. When I talk to folks today about how, oh, I'm not a beer drinker, I don't drink beer, those things, I usually say you probably haven't found the beer that you like yet. You probably have had some beer that's not your style, but you've had anyways, and that's your notion of beer. If you had a sour, you don't even know what a sour is. You're like, I can't stand this stuff. I'm not going to drink it. And for me, I want to use Untapped to figure out what beer I like. I knew that if I had used the product in the right way, others can, can as well. And therefore, I would get into beer from that side. So the Greg from 20, 2009 or 2010 would like laugh at the Greg today who drinks all these hazy IPAs and all yep. these West Coast IPAs from, from, from that and says, how can you like that stuff? But I think it, you have to find your gateway beer and and that is how you're going to get into the, the scene from my perspective so i use myself as a guinea pig for my own product to basically tell the story of hey uh if i can do it then others can as well and that's how i got into the product from that side um it, it is funny because even you know I, i've i've been pretty into craft beer for a very long time now and it's funny seeing like what i rated things 10 years ago 12 years ago to what i would rate them now and yeah. i'm curious like what what do, do you still have your your initial like check-ins from from the early days yeah i mean they're, they're still all there i don't you know I, I don't use as much anymore from that perspective but i think for me my ratings have definitely changed over the years your palate changes you get to get get to be more sure. uh, astute i guess you would call it when it comes to the beer that you like so you know the, the greg is right at sam adams back back in 2010 is not the same greg is right today from that perspective so i think your, your palate definitely changes as you you grow into, into the craft beer scene but i think one of the important parts about what made craft beer so special is the fact that i, I call it the etsy effect people want to see who's behind the beer they're making they don't want to go after the bigger brands from that perspective because it's not personal to them. When they go to a local brewery, they can see someone behind the counter making the beer as all. Well. You have right. that kind of connection to the product that's very, very different. That I think is why craft beer has exploded in popularity. People just want different flavors, different opportunities, and supporting local is a big thing when it comes to uh, it's craft beer as a whole. So I think that's how it all started in that aspect there. And you also uh, made a beer with uh, one of our former guests, Sam Calgione. And uh, yep. can you tell us about that little intertwining experience? Yeah, for two, the 10th two time guest, by the way, two time guest. Yeah. You oh, are correct. Two time. I love it. <laughs> uh, for a ten year anniversary, one just being special uh, at Untapped, and uh, basically what 
what we did was we we wanted to crowdsource a beer recipe. We obviously, as an app, cannot make beer legally from that perspective there, but we want to partner with another brewery to barely bring um, you know the untapped platform and social aspect to others. So Docu Tech was a natural partner with us. I talked to Sam on numerous occasions, a great guy. And we came to him and said, mm-hmm. hey, you know, here's all the data we have on untapped, the most popular style out there. It was sour beers over the 10 years that we we're doing well, the most amount of increase in check-ins and ratings over the 10 years that we there um you know what can we do around this so he's like well if i create a base recipe of a sour style and then we ask other breweries to brew one and add their own local flavor in there maybe it's a local a blueberry or raspberry or some fruit to it that becomes the special instance so we, we named the beer i remember my first check-in and essentially it was a collaboration effect with dog Shed, and they had we had special labels that uh, basically people could add into their own cans and everyone could just crowdsource the recipe as a whole. So it was a really special kind of occasion to celebrate the 10 years, uh, you know, when I was there and and, and doing all those things across the board. You, you, you kind of segued into the question I want to ask you. Uh, I wanted to ask you. Um, so you probably pretty, you have this data of like the craft beer industry that is probably so valuable to, to brewers and whatnot. And you could see what's, what's, uh, you know, what's being checked in so much, what's being rated higher and what's, you know, it's endless amounts of data. Like, did it become a point where like you knew what was going to be big before the breweries did? And was there a point where the breweries have actually reached out to you at any point? Like, okay, what's, what's, uh, what's coming up or what's really trending right now? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I haven't been there in a couple of years. I don't know what's happening, you know, currently from that perspective. But the idea when we first started the app was we realized the data was a goldmine. Breweries are paying thousands of dollars on focus groups testing for their own product. When Untapped could bring a lot of that data to them uh, in a real-time fashion, but also like a location as well. We heard from so many breweries that that were, you know, were very young and starting where they drop off a keg at a local bar and they wouldn't see any of those check-ins on untapped to their beer at that bar. Like, why didn't you put it on draft? Like, was it just sitting in your in your basement or your cooler? Like, why haven't you gone there? So we realized that this data could be really helpful to help people, you know, make sure that that um they've got good draft lines and clean the draft line. I've heard like a lot of stories too where local breweries would basically like know a place that had got bad ratings for one beer, but the place next door had great ratings of the same beer. So they got a little insight that maybe they didn't clean their tap lines. Maybe they didn't change what they had to do. So we knew the data was special in terms of having the the ability to kind of showcase a larger perspective on there. And then ultimately long-term, we wanted to be able to find a solution um, to allow breweries to kind of take that data, obviously anonymized for protection and privacy reasons, but help them make better products across the board. Um, it's it's funny, you know, I, I think you, you have a, a perception that data can change everything when it comes to baking beer. It may or may not, but I definitely can help you figure out where uh, popular hotspots are in, in the world on what styles of beers are there. Like, for example, we can answer questions like where in the in the U.S. are the, is the best place to start a cidery because they had all this, the data on like what wow. actually was a facilitator yep. for that. So I think it's really interesting to have that kind of perception and have all that data to help facilitate a better beer, a better product. And we always envision it as being more of a circle of life. So if we gave data to the breweries, that breweries make better beer, consumers drink that better beer, and then provide more data from that perspective across the board. So that was the initial thinking when we first started it back in, in 2010. It's like we thought data would be a a key aspect, but it took some very, a long time to get a massive amount, obviously, over the course of the time that I was there. That's very mm. cool. 
and you moved on from there. You're now with uh, Spotify, as yep. I see, and all that. What I saw on your LinkedIn is very interesting what you're doing there. You're talking about like the goal of helping artists make money on streaming. I know that's a big thing right now with the yeah. actors and the writers striking. Can you tell us a little bit about this project and what you've been doing with it? Yeah, so I work for Spotify now. I've been there for about a year and a couple of months. I think the, the main product that I'm working on is something called Spotify for Artists, which is a, uh, a SaaS product for artists to be able to log in and see their metrics on their stream shares, their demographic information, um, all those things across the board um, from that end. So one of the one of the missions we have for our, our organization is we want to make our artists make a living off their streams. You all know that in, in, this, in this day and age, it's very difficult for artists that are like lower tier, not the not the Beyonce and Justin Bieber's. They don't probably care about the stream share from that perspective. But the lower tiered ones, we want to make sure that they can make a living off their music. And because it's a very creative outlet for a lot of people, I think that I've been a Spotify member since they launched in the U.S. back in 2011. And I think it's the only product I ever use that I never think about canceling at any time. It's part of my daily work stream. I'm listening to it all the time, not just because I work for the company now, but like just part of whatever I do. So I want to make sure that we build product services that help the artists get um, uh, opportunity to, to monetize themselves. So we can provide analytics that show you information about, you know, your, your users, your, your streams, all those fun things that you see on all those platforms from there um, that are really important for us to grow. So I think that is a, a really cool project. And I think, unfortunately, like COVID teaches you a lot of things about a lot of things, but I feel like for me, it's taught me about, unfortunately, life is short. And I want to make sure that what I'm doing is most impactful work for others from that perspective. So uh, that's why it's a really important project for me to be part of that. We're doing something great for the artists to be able to tell their careers. So, so Greg, you, you it, it's interesting hearing you, you know, you worked with a, a company who, you know, on tap to is basically who really thrives from that is the, the local brewer, the local guy, the small guy, the the yeah. mom and pop, the you know the entrepreneur, and now you're you're doing Spotify, which is also supporting the local artist and whatnot. And I'm curious, um, you know, even as I talk, maybe from a selfish point, um, you know, we I was I mentioned like the good old days. You, you mentioned it with like uh, where there was no advertising and. And and when we would like put out an episode and just simply hashtag who we had on or yeah. hashtag something we put on the show and it would explode and we got numbers and, and whatnot. And then like the days of the algorithm came in where it's harder yeah. and harder and harder. Do you have advice for young artists, young businessmen, young um, entrepreneurs, singers, anything like what is the best way to organically try to grow your your product without having to pump tons of money into it is, is there a way yeah it's very different nowadays than it has been when we first started untapped didn't spend a dime on advertising right. for 10 years that i was there which mm. is incredible to see the kind of growth that's happened from there nowadays a lot of people pump into like twitter ads or facebook ads i think that that is a, a great way to kind of get your initial reach but i always believe that People are going to use your product because they feel attached to you and your story, and it serves a need for them. So obviously, if you're building a product for beer drinkers, you're not going to go after people that are in alcoholics anonymous or don't like beer from that perspective. So you want to make sure you have good market fit. You're targeting the right people. You're doing the right people. So connecting blogs, 
podcasts like yourself. Try to right. get yourself available on the internet from that perspective. And then secondly, be an authentic version of yourself. Answer support tickets. Reach out to people. If someone asks you a question, be real. Don't be a robot or of that nature when you're replying to. People want to see what's behind all the magic that's being made on their phone or on their, everything else. If you're uh, enthusiastic, you celebrate your wins, you kind of connect with your customers, you are engaging with them. That's a huge opportunity for them to tell their, their friends that, hey, I, I just talked to Greg, who's the founder of this and right. did a really, really good job. So I, I think it's really important for you to understand or anybody looking to, to start something is that you have to be energetic, you have to be engaging with your customers, find that market fit, and then exploit it as much as you can um, to kind of build that that up there. Yeah, it, It's a very hard nut to crack. Like the algorithm sometimes feels like it's so suppressing. You're like, we have all these, you know, amazing, like personally, we have all these amazing guests and how do we get people to hear it without pumping money into it? It's a very, yeah. very hard yeah. conundrum. I think partnering with the right people too to have that level of reach and promoting it from that perspective is a great way to do that. I've actually started another kind of app in the, in the last couple of months called Volley, which is a I'm a big tennis fan from that perspective. So it was a out- outlet for me to be able to kind of uh, track and record my matches in tennis and then put comments and notes about what I what I've done, kind of similar to Untapped. <laughs> right, 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 there, yeah. right. So you know, I'm t- thinking about how do I market this now in the 21st century? Before when I Untapped was a little bit younger, we didn't have to do it. Stuff. So I've experimented with Twitter ads and Facebook ads and reality. They kind of all go to the bottom of the well. Maybe someone clicks on your link, they don't do anything, they're yep. not engaged. But yep. people I have, I have found are the ones that I partner with to kind of bring this situation to the, to the forefront and they get their engagement there, helps drive that connection from there. Not like influencer marketing, but I hate the term influencer. I think it's, it's garbage, but I think sure. for the most part, finding folks that will also have the same level of interest in you and helping to grow it with them is a great way to grow your business. Good advice. Yeah. Mm. As a person who's built these uh, apps and made, you know, bring people online and be- become very popular, what is your advice for like programmers? It's easy to come out and say, yep, all this code works, but what is the difference between the code works and this is how you make a big app? Yeah, great question. Almost like a million dollar question there. So how do you make it with your go from just a small lap to worldwide domination, I guess you could say from that. Again, I think it's all about the passion and and the business that you're trying to solve. Obviously, you should be a user of your app. You should be building apps that solve your needs and things that you want to be able to fix in the world. And then you want to align yourself with individuals that also share that same passion. It's called product market fit from that perspective. You could build an app that... Um, helps you identify when your cat has made a, something in the litter. But how many folks are actually going to be able <laughs> oh, to use damn that it, app? Mike, Mike, you're out. <laughs> oh, you're out again. Another stole yours, I, now he stole mine. Oh. <laughs> you got to find dump, that. Catdumps.com. He just bought the, he just bought the freaking. Oh, <laughs> I had all these t-shirts made. <laughs> you got to find that product market fit and people that rush you can use about it. And you want to find passionate users of your app to help market it for yourself. That was the earliest science success for Untapped. There are a lot of folks that wanted an easier way to, to log their beers. We found a, a niche of users that really had passion for this. We actually actually recruited them to be moderators for Untapped to help the you know create duplications and merging beers that get created. So like you want to build your your app in a community where you have passionate people that really feel about the product and the reasons you're trying to solve. And that's kind of how you help get it from the next level is that you got to find your mit, your fit uh, for it to be able to, to work. And I've always believed in people saying like, you know, you don't have to like 
quit your job and like go all in. It doesn't make any difference to the success of your app. You got to do it, uh, you know, surgically figure out what makes the most sense for you in your own career, where you can kind of work with your partner or where you can work with your, your um, kind of your audience there to get the best out of what you're trying to accomplish from there. So there's definitely opportunities out there. Uh, apps are a lot harder to, are a lot harder to get attraction nowadays than they were 10 years ago. There's 10,000 apps there, there probably is already an app out there that does that thing for the kitty thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It's got to be there. Uh, but anyway, 10 years ago, a lot was different in the app world. So uh, a lot has changed. But the one thing I think remains the same is just being authentic, real, finding that passion within your user base and being able to kind of help them grow a community uh, is, is a good thing. Um, I do have a question about your on tap days. I know we kind of got out of that, but I, I had a question I wanted to ask you. Um, sure. So in your time there was there a beer that was always rated so high and you're just like oh my god i need to try this thing and then and then tried it and was kind of like yeah you know like like where you thought it was like the golden goose is going to change like according to the data it's going to be it's going to change my life when i tried this beer and then you kind of had it and you're like all right, well, it tastes like a beer because it had like a cult following. The database yeah. said it was delicious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think honestly, as I remember, most of the highest rated beers were the ones that were like um, 16, 17% older. alcohol yeah. by volume. They okay. were dark, you know, stouts or something mixed, mixed in bourbon barrels. It's actually not my favorite style at all. Right. Um, so I always to hear stories like, oh, Dark Lord, amazing beer. Like everyone loves this Dark Lord from Dark Lord Day from. Um, uh, uh, a brewery in Indiana, I forgot their name, uh, mm-hmm. Three Floyds, uh, from that perspective yep. there. I remember trying it, and I, I mean, it was good beer, but it didn't blow me away as, like, the cult following would be from that perspective there. I'm a big New England IPA fan, so I live very close to Treehouse, so yeah. for oh, me, yeah. mm-hmm. I, that is, like, my beer, and they've never let me down from any of the beers I ever have from them, but, like, I think tr- traditionally, higher the alcohol content, the more things you stuff into a beer, the slushies and the things of that nature got a higher <laughs> yeah. rating, but they weren't just my my style from that perspective there. So it was like I would say to answer that question, it's probably more of those darker beers that I tried that I wasn't blown away. But I would definitely blown away by things like you know Julius and other yeah. Heisey IPAs from yeah. doing that from from. And then I had a follow up question to that like was there a beer that like consistently got the worst ratings like <laughs> ever, and then also became like kind of like a journey to go check in this beer like okay this is like how it is so bad that we need to try it and then people be that kind of caught on to that i think it's like a meme or something of that nature like like you know i think growing up in college it was all like natty ice and stuff oh, yeah. like that the yeah, cheapest of course beer possible. Mm-hmm. red dog it. yeah but but i think you know i i remember back in the early before the pandemic like Natty Ice became like a, a, a cult following. Like Smirnoff Ice became a cult following where sure. you got you had like Natty Saturdays or Natty Natty Saturdays. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they yep. made beers after these things and they yeah. it just only got like lower ratings, but like you still did it because they were always available <laughs> mm-hmm. at, at the at the location there um parties and summertime, stuff like that. So like I, I always like people always say, Oh yeah, Bud Light must be the lowest ranked beer on, on Untapped, and it's not because there are Bud Lights everywhere. So like it, it's literally yeah. every possible location you can go to to have beer, Bud Light will be there. So the sheer volume of like of like data, it's never going to be the lowest because 
like somebody is gonna love it and give it a five or something like sure. that. Sure, yeah, yeah. World. So I think you know most of those those beers have kind of had a, a renaissance period for like people just kind of come back to it and try it again from from that that side. And I think hard seltzers was also a, another thing that came in pre pandemic that were very popular. Um, and they was like, I'm not gonna try that, and they try like, oh, it's not not too bad. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, Greg, we're coming up on our time. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. As a as a fun fact, we I had discussions with your partner Tim uh, Tim Mathers. Is it? Oh, nice. Yeah. Untap, and he kind of ghosted us after a little while. So okay. I. So if if you want to like rag on Tim all you want on the show, <laughs> we'll have no issues because yeah. you know we don't appreciate that. If you want to leave him a negative rating uh <laughs> <laughs> I, i'll leave i'll leave it with that i mean it goes yeah. through no fun uh but yeah it's uh happy to be here happy to, to talk about my story and of course um and whatnot even though i'm not affiliated with untapped anymore i think it's a big part of who i am and what i've learned uh, as an entrepreneur from from that side so it's quite a interesting story uh and something that i hope the others can, can learn from and build their own business around yeah, definitely. So if uh, anybody wanted to find out about what projects you're on or what you're up to, or you're, what you're announcing, where can they go to to find you? And also, yeah, if, I, if there's something you can tell us of what you're working on, please. Yeah, okay. yeah I mean, you can find me on, I'm not going to call it X, it just sounds so weird, but Twitter is where you can find me the most. At Gregavola is the best bit to find me there. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, what I'm working on right now on the side is this small project called Volley. So if you're big into pickleball or tennis, it's a great way for you to download the app on your phone and check and check in, or not check in, or record your, your matches, share your thoughts on there. Uh, we actually have trophies you can earn, kind similar badges on the tap so i've taken some of my learnings from there to a different industry uh for, from that level but check it out getvolleyapp.com is a great way to look at it as well i have one last question for you sure. during your time at one tap uh, on tap who what was the most amount of badges and trophies that someone earned <laughs> like that has to be astronomical <laughs> I, I don't remember the, the exact number. This could have changed uh, since I've left there. But oh, I remember sure, one yeah. time someone earned 19 badges on one check-in. And I remember they, I talked to them before they had built a spreadsheet of like yeah. all the requirements that they needed to do to meet this situation. They drove somewhere. So the location matched to a certain badge. But 19 was the record when I was there. I don't know if it's changed or not, but um, that was pretty amazing to, to hear that from that end. Mm. And my final question to you is, as we had a good time talking with you, did this interview beat the one I found on YouTube where you were in the parking lot being interviewed oh, by a guy in the uh, Bigfoot outfit? <laughs> I, I always tell folks that never existed, but I think it's been found now. I remember this like, like, uh, like an icebreaker I usually bring up. Like one time I almost died by being murdered in this parking lot with this guy dressed as Bigfoot. And like, there's no video to prove it. And I think someone found it. Now it's out there. So yes, hundred percent. I was very nervous. Uh, I remember calling my like my CEO afterwards. Like, I did not inhale. I did not smoke any of this weed or anything of that nature. Please don't fire me. Um, but yeah, it was definitely better than that. Now for the big reveal. Mike was the guy in the Bigfoot outfit. Welcome back, buddy. <laughs> oh, really? Oh my god. <laughs> Crazy times. <laughs> Greg, thank you so much. Thank you, Keep Greg. up with the great work. Love to hear about your new projects down the road. Now, good luck to everything. Thanks, all. All right, Mike, the creator of Untapped. I know you. Um, 
you strive to get badges. You, uh, I think you have like a, you might be like Georgia, the number one Georgian guy on the on the app. Oh well, I mean, I just went to my hundred and fourth brewery Loser. in uh, Georgia, just in Georgia. So fourth, that's that's an accomplishment, I guess. Yeah, I mean Is it uh, that, or you're an alcoholic. It's, it's one or the other. Why can't I be both? Yeah, yeah. Huh? Why <laughs> yeah, can't yeah. I be accomplished in a yeah, raging yeah. drunk, Scott? Yeah, they get a bad rap, but raging drunks get a lot of things done. The, the, our our forefathers are all raging drunks. They got the country done. Exactly. Exactly. Now, on a side note, you do realize this is the second week in a row we uh, we talked about uh, Bigfoot on our program because we had the Jack Link's Chewbacca twerking conversation last week and then this week we have a guest who got interviewed in a parking lot by a guy yep. in a bigfoot outfit by the way side note i'm still waiting for the high-res files to come in you're still going to get your birthday present eventually but that's on tiffer so uh it, it will come and it's also the uh, profile picture on our IMDb page for that episode. <laughs> I put up the regular one and that one, and then yeah. I guess the second one goes up. I'm like, poor Stephanie Beggs. <laughs> <laughs> she accomplished so much in this world. Why didn't you bother? And, and, and that was that was the first episode I went back to the old school naming of the episodes. Also, so yeah, that was a weird moment when I was, I'm. <laughs> I kind of sat back. I'm like, oh, this is like one of our rare, like professional guests or whatever. And it's yep. like, yep. oh, I, I might want to shorten this link when I send it to her publicist. Yeah, I think the episode was called Stephanie Beggs, uh, Twerking Chewbacca and Stank Ass Mike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Something to remember. Yeah. So we'll see what this one's going to be called. I don't know. We'll see when I'm editing it. What uh, what comes to me? Might just Burlu be called- can't shave. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So we'll see. But uh, so two Bigfoot episodes in a row. Hmm. What do you got? Give me one. Give me something you do terrible. Do terrible. Um, I'm pretty bad at grocery shopping mm-hmm. Uh, in the sense that I have a tendency to come back home and say, okay, I have no toothpaste and I have four jars of peanut butter in the house. Okay, I, I had that. Um, I'm gonna go for one thing and come back with twelve bags of groceries, kind of deal. Right, like Which I, I do too. Yeah, yeah. I rarely go into grocery shopping with the goal and meet my goal specifically. It appears, and and you forget like the main item you went for. Oh, that's that's a basically a primary. It's like the second, like when you got the 12 bags in your hands and you go through that front door and the first thing you do when you take a step in is like, son of a word, cottage cheese. <laughs> All right. That, that's that's a good one. I'm not, I, I'm okay at that. I would say actually grocery shopping, I prefer to do it over my wife because I will find, she'll go, she'll be like, I went grocery shopping. But then I look in the fridge, I'm like, there's a bag of lettuce and like, a thing of chicken breast, and then she'll get all the other boring crap. But there's no food in the in, yeah. in the fridge. She'll get the paper towel and the toothpaste, and like she'll be like, "I got, I got thyme and rosemary, and we're keeping them in the fridge." And I'm like, 
Well, was it for a recipe, or we're just gonna yeah. pick at this? Like, are we just gonna just... open up the bottle and start sucking down time? Is that the plan, dear? <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, not, not. She, I, I'm way better grocery shopper than her, so that at least makes mm. me feel better. Um, my buddy said that he, um, he goes to self checkout lines and um, takes the uh, takes the family discount, if you will, like. We're going to eat, you know, if I get organic bananas, um, they're getting rang up as yeah. normal bananas. Yeah, he, you don't scan that thing. you just like, let me go to the list. <laughs> yeah. um, I agree. I do the same exact thing. Sometimes if it's a weighing situation, I'll try to like <laughs> drop the vegetables. On so, <laughs> so they're, so they're, they're hanging a little bit off. Maybe I get a, an ounce or two that didn't get recognized. Um, I've done that before. You? Yeah. Uh, I've done it from time to time. I it's like the best ones to get is when like the item is specifically amount. Like you, you get like three pounds of cherries, and it's like one <laughs> lemon. <laughs> Fifty nine cents. Let's go. Um. Next thing, uh, I know you will relate to me on this one. Um, I said that I've had a mean face stare off in my mirror with myself before. Mm. I've, I've done like facial expressions and looked in myself in the mirror, like, mm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm mean, or, or, mm. or maybe I'm happy, or what do I look yeah. like when I smile, or you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like do a little acting in the mirror. Yeah, I know exactly what yeah, you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> um, <laughs> This is a throwback to almost nine years ago, Berlu. Where it's been about a while, yeah, yeah. But I, I've done it before, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not soloing you out. Um, mm-hmm. But um, years ago, years, years ago, I caught Berlu in my bathroom, going, "You want to see me? You don't want to see me?" And like don't talking to himself, me. like Clint, Clint Eastwood, <laughs> "Don't mess with me! Don't mess with me!" Um, yeah, yeah, I, I was just like. <laughs> In a good mood. I forget if we were going somewhere that night or if we were podcasting, but it was nope. like the literally like the second I got out of the bathroom, you gave me a look like, all right, we we need to have a discussion right now. You know, yeah. there's no doing something else at the moment. We have to talk about what just I just heard from my bathroom. <laughs> you in there. Um, yeah, that, that, that's it for me, Roman. You got one more? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll throw one more in there. Uh, actually, knowing how people are related to me on Facebook, wow. like I, yeah, I have literally tons of like cousins or uncles or stuff like that. Is that where, why you tagged a, a black comedian that you worked with that wasn't hey, the he black comedian you worked with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there'd be like. Like my birthday will happen, and it'll be like uh, a Chrissy's that happy birthday, and and my wife will be like, "Oh, I love Chrissy. How's she related to you?" And I'd like I'll just like stare into the abyss for a minute, and it, like I'll have zero idea because I have like for my one uh, uncle, he had he basically he married a person. She had kids going into the relationship. So they have different last names and others obviously got married. So I just get so messed up. Like I've had, we've gone to like family weddings and have conversations with people. And I'll pull my dad aside and be like, how are they related to me again? I have no damn 
clue. So you'll go to a wedding and be like, whose wedding is this actually? (laughs) Like, why are we here? Well, I'll know the main characters. It's the side characters that I I have no clue about. Like, I remember there was like, uh, I have like this one person she and she came out like gay she got married gay and like she put a post about uh like how her father doesn't understand the whole situation or whatever and like izzy asked me well who's her father and i took it like a guess and like <laughs> like months later like we're over my parents I took house. It like a guess yeah and we're over to parents and like my dad is talking about like a family member and izzy's like oh i we can hate blah 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 because he they don't respect uh this person because she's gay and he that's his daughter blah 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 and my dad's like what the hell are you talking about is she that's like her cousin you're just yeah. talking about that's not her father yeah I'm like oh uh, all right what, what's the answer it's like the end of family feud it's like all right yeah. i've got three strikes what's yeah. the correct answers yeah. on the board shit shit <laughs> um i'll throw one more out there to end this bit um I can't butter a bagel that well. Like I, I what? I can't butter a bagel that well. Like I, I go to butter it and I get frustrated about like the cold knife that's not getting it done enough. And a lot of times I'll just put like a chunk of butter and squeeze the bagel and just kind of hope it spreads to where I want. You like to crush it. it in a ball just to get it smothered in there. Yep. 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 Just try to. I, I will even tell you, there's been times I'm fr- so frustrated about cutting a bagel and putting butter on it. I have put butter on the outside. Of the oh, bagel. yeah. No. Wow. I know like people from New Jersey are like, oh, my God, you mutant. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, at least you didn't stuff the hole with butter. That would have been next level. Where you just eat towards the... Yeah. Butter, but you don't get it. You gotta make it. extra big bites yeah. so you get a little butter with all your There's a little a little little nick of the butter in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you want from me? This is this is like honesty battleship in a way, you know. Mm. Things you're things you're terrible at. But uh Mike, what do you got before we go? Well, like another thing I'm not great at is uh paying attention to means and caring about means. It kind of made me think back to one of the most awkward meetings I ever had at a job. So, so it wasn't the vapor room, the the memory that popped up nine years ago. Uh, no, that's, I mean, that, that wakes me up every night in cold chills. Exactly. Isn't that funny though? I did be, before you get to your story. I, I uh, sent you a message on two, on that day, whatever day that was, it was like memories. Mm-hmm. It was like Bird Loot's 30th, uh, 40th birthday 40th. party, which I, uh, it, it was so much fun. I loved every second of that. It was a, I threw it's like episode him, 52 win, Bird Loser draw. Yeah. I, I threw him like this. Uh, uh, how uh, a game, game show, show birthday party a hundred percent about him uh the prize with the headshot um just Run by a guy who knew the most about me but barely knew me period yeah, and it, it barely he was a knew throwing you. person he subbed in for you we <laughs> smashed that the glass head that you had mm-hmm. on it we had a birthday cake really fun night and then the other memory was you <laughs> Was that the night you headlined at the Vapor Room? I was think that, that was the different... one before I okay. headlined. Which, by the way, Vapor Room for audiences is is a comedy venue, quote unquote, that was above like a vape shop. 
that that she was trying to get going. And me and Mike did comedy for two people one night, literally, where Mike was the headliner and I was the feature, and I had to do like twenty five minutes or whatever it was, and we were both shitting bricks before we went there and then we got there and there was nobody there yeah and we were high-fiving because we we're like nobody's showing up and then one of the comedians like oh i'm bringing two friends and we had yep. to do the show correct yeah anyway sorry possibly the person who ran it committed crimes and possibly faked her death yeah faked her death you know. possibly who knows i'm not saying and it if she died it was no major loss to humanity <clears throat> but you know yeah. anyway uh mike sorry what do you got yeah but um I was thinking back to the most awkward me I can recall from John. So do you remember like after I lost my main job where in the early episodes, I hated that place and whatever whole thing. But remember before I moved to Georgia, I had like a temp job in the middle out of Pennsylvania. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So basically I, um, after I lost my main job, uh, search for jobs, I got like a contract to do work at this place. It was up by Donnie Park in Pennsylvania. It was like uh, air products and chemicals doing like phone work, but it was supposed to be a year or two contract, something that's like, okay, you know, yeah. I don't have a full time job, but, but I'm okay. I'm stable and can continue to work and stay here and figure stuff out. So, yes. Uh, about three months into my one to two year contract, I uh, had the the temp company who, who uh, got me in there kind of called me to a side and basically said, your uh, assignment is ending in a month. And the reason for that was that uh, they didn't budget me in, even though they gave me a contract for one to two years. Somehow somebody didn't say let's put that number into the spreadsheet and see what the number comes out to. So basically I was going to be out of the job in a month. So my, I'm going through doing my job. The next to last day, I got called into a meeting to talk about future projects (laughs) as in literally my next day, like, there is no, oh, they changed their mind, you're coming back, anything like that. Like, this ship has sailed. It's like a, it's like an impractical joker's, like, bit. Like, okay, yeah. talk about future projects when you know you're getting fired. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So, like, they they put me in this meeting, and they, they put it out three days before it's supposed to happen. And my whole time, I'm like, ain't showing up. I'm, ain't show- I'll do my job. You know, I'm not going to spoil on that, but I'm not showing up to this meeting. And as like the meeting's getting like closer, again, I end by people. You're coming to the meeting, right? You're coming to the meet. And I'm just, why do you care? (laughs) And it's not even on projects. I'm in. That's the topper of it all. It's not like, Hey, Berlu, hand off anything you're working on to the next person. They literally want me in a meeting for future projects that I will not have a care about at all because I will be gone the next day. Right. So I had to actually, like, this is like a huge, but they had like eight different buildings. I had to walk like three buildings over to get to this meeting. 
and like six floors. It was like I had to stew about this meeting for like a 15 minute walk. And I go in and literally I had to sit there and they keep on talking. And it's not even like there was some like nice send off like, hey, Mike, thanks for your job. Sorry, you didn't. We couldn't keep you and send you out. It's literally talking about phone projects that I will have nothing to do with that I had to sit. And it was also at the end of the day. So it prevented me from leaving early to get home, knowing that I'm only got the last day left. So I literally had to stew for, I think like 45 minutes for nonsense like that. Okay. I feel like corporate America, like if they really trim down things and just, they they just get cut out all the fat like there'd be no meetings like there'd be no there'd be like meetings amongst like three people and things would be fine instead of meetings like just to make the staff feel like they're part of meetings there's nothing worse when they're like well we could or you may be a part of it and you just just sit there for no good reason it's like and then, like, the topper is, like, if you have certain bosses where it's, like, after me, it's, like, well, what's the progress on this? Oh, I'm working on it. Why isn't it done? Because I'm sitting here in a meeting that I don't care about for 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think most work is kind of a joke. <laughs> like, yeah, there could be work, like, actual work. But my work, let me let me work 20 hours a week and get my work done instead of like just being a useless shit. Like I'll, I'll just get it. I will get it done. If you cut my time in half and yeah, I went up, but it's a lot of sitting around and like pleasing someone and putting in your 40 hours or whatever it is. Now, do you ever go through the whole, somebody's in the room. So you act busy, even though you're sitting back going, why am I doing this every day of my life? <laughs> every single day of my life. Like, uh, um, when I used to teach and stuff like that, like you get observed, you put on a little show, and then um, when you're when you're at meetings, you pretend you're into it. But all the other days were just filling time for the most part, like just uh, getting what you had to do done, and then just kind of like making it work. And then uh, you know, the other times just nodding yes and smiling and shaking hands and kissing babies, and you know. It's kind of like what politicians do. They're yeah. not actually doing anything. Ah, no, the that new House Speaker, he's going to take care of business. No. I also love that, like, since the last time we recorded, like, the world's at war. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Israel is bombing people. That We had that whole house shut down for, like, three yeah. weeks. We were, we were totally gone during that. Um, yeah, yeah. Gaza, uh, Palestine, Israel—that's where you. But I think a lot of people probably don't come to our show to hear our takes on that. I, I mean, we probably could resolve the problem. We ever thought about it? You know? How would you resolve the problem? I'd be like, "Stop it! No, stop it!" You give him hey, the hey, finger. Hey, hey. You give him the big stop finger. It. Knock oh, yeah. it off! Knock yeah. it off! Hey, hey, see you back there. Trying to do something. No. So you, you you think like when those bomb alarms went off, like, like the sirens and stuff, yeah. and like Israel was getting bombed. If you just went on TV, they were like, <laughs> like interrupted the, hey! the broadcast. Yeah. And they're like, hold on, special broadcast from Israel. And they're like, we would like to bring on Mike Burlow. 
and you just went, hey, 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 cut hey. it out, hey, knock it off, knock right. it. That that's literally what I do to my son, what, by the way. Yeah. Knock what do I off. see in the air? What do I see in the air? You better bring it back. Yep. And you just give him like, would you go stern face or would you be? Oh, I, I would just give this face in here. Or maybe I would do like what I did in your bathroom. Hey, don't mess with me. Don't oh. mess with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was training for that day. Yeah. Just in case they needed me. Huh? <laughs> you were training to de-arm Palestine. Yeah. And then yeah. make make peace in Israel. Hey, hey, let's yeah. keep it cool. Yeah. I mean, worst case, we would just like died and like they would have done it anyway. So, you know. Anyway, Mike, anything to promote before we roll out of here? Uh, Scott, I guess, uh, since we were talking about shower wine, I'll tell you about winery. I would drink in the shower, fainting goats vineyards, uh, up in, uh, up in Jasper. Well, Georgia. what a sell. So many people are going to be going to this right now. Uh, a a, a wine burly drink in the shower. <laughs> Hey, what's the big line for it? Yo, Berlu said this is the best yo, shower would, wine possible. Yo, he would wash himself with this wine. <laughs> exactly. I yeah. would. Fainting Goats Vineyards up in the mountains of Jasper. Beautiful scenery. Lovely view. Some of the best uh, wines I've ever tasted. You know, they have wine slushies up there. They sell food. Uh, me and my wife go up there at least once every two months. Just sit back. Beautiful view of the Blue Ridge Mountains and all. It's just such a sight. We drive like two hours to go see this place. That's how good it is. Believe me, you get some bottled wines, you go in that shower, you are going to be satisfied and say, thank you, Fainting Goats Vineyards and Wine. Now, do they have a shower experience there? Like, hey, if you want right. to test this out, there's a little shower out in the back. If you want to, you know... You know, I'm trying to hook them up and all. Like, I bring the sprinkler system with me when I go and order wines from them. So I get the experience, even though I'm not in my shower. But mm -hmm. I can tell this, they'll give you a moment right there. Oh. I will promote uh, November 11th. We're doing a comedy show here in Indian Lake, New Jersey, uh, in Denville. Um, we have the one and only. Bonnie McFarlane coming out, uh, who is Rich Voss's wife. You might have seen her on My Wife Hates Me um, on Comedy Central. Uh, come on out. It's $25 just to come out. Doesn't matter if you're a member or not. It's a great show um, accompanied by me, Joe Fernandez, and our friend Ryan Patrick. Um, other than that, guys, please uh, keep following. We'll be back. We got our... We're, we're, I think we're back to normal at this point, um, God willing, unless my son gets sick and pukes all over himself and all that stuff. But I told you what to do, though. You didn't listen to me. Yeah. What'd you say? I, I said I showed you an article that says bee stings can cure many diseases. So I told you to bring your son back to that park where you got all the bee stings from. So I would just try. take my like congested, pukey son. And just hold them. Oh. You disappeared there, Scotty. Oh, you coming back? You coming back? Scotty, there you are. Still. So.
I would just take my throwing up fevered son and be like, let's go out. And I would hold him above the bee's nest that we huh? went to and just let the bees sting him like relentlessly and then he'd be okay. I think he would have. I mean, I think bees could have solved COVID. I mean, let's rationalize this for a moment. And... So, all right, okay, all right. I have so, a couple questions on that, but yeah, yeah, first, hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. So, so we're supposed to stay six feet away, right? Correct. Okay. So you see me coming up to you with one of those bee beards, where like there's hundreds of bees all over my face, all over your face. You're coming yeah. up to people. Okay. Yeah. Are you going to get within six feet of me? No. Yes or no? No. There you go. Like That's if, your solution. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let, let's add to it. You know, you know those people who didn't wear their masks correctly, you know, and spread it uh-huh. COVID. Yeah. Again, yeah. let's say instead of my bee beard, the bees are all over my neck. They're totally in the incorrect place, but are you coming within six feet of me? So you're saying like all those people in nursing homes, right? Mm-hmm. Who are like dying of COVID. You're like, let's let's go out for a little walk outside. You know, I know you're on a ventilator. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll disconnect you for a little while. Let's go out and see the bees. Well, what would happen is we would unplug the ventilator and put the tube right into a bees hive and like put it right on there. Cause again, the nurses is like, I ain't going to touch that person. They'll be six feet away. No spread of COVID. So they're dying wish, right? They're on their deathbed and they Mm -hmm. have honeybees flying through their ventilator. You're, you're okay with that. I mean, could be wasps, could be hornets. I mean, I can't tell, but I feel any of those categories of insects would have solved this COVID problem. Guys, life is funny. Laugh at it. Keep the wind at your back. I'm just saying bee beards are a solution to anything in life.